Hello, my friend. Buckle up for an epic episode because today we're diving into Instagram content versus Pinterest content. I am joined by Kate All, who is the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media, which is a Pinterest management and marketing company. Get ready to learn things about Pinterest you never thought you needed to know and how powerful Kate's tips are when it comes to getting the clicks and saves and growing your email list. And speaking of content, you can snag free content ideas right from my homepage at bossladyandsweatpants.com to help you create Instagram posts, blog posts, or even email campaigns. Now grab your pen and paper and let's get to the juicy stuff. Hey there, sister. Welcome to the Social Media for Mompreneurs podcast. I'm your host, Allison Scholes, and I am on a mission to help mompreneurs like you ditch the Instagram overwhelm and take control of your time on the app and build an extraordinary brand and business, but still be fully present with your family and just be crazy happy with your life. This show is filled with Instagram strategies, marketing hacks, branding and business tips with a side of coffee and Jesus. If you're ready for some juicy content, you know what to do. Hand your kiddos those tablets, open those juice boxes, grab your coffee, whiskey or wine, and let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. And my guest today is going to be, I know this is just going to be a great interview today. Her and I have been chatting before we hit record and we just hit it off. Her name is Kate All, and she is with Simple Pin Media. So as you can tell by that name, we are going to be jamming about Pinterest today, but we're going to compare Pinterest to Instagram. And don't worry, we're not going to have any crazy cat fights on this show because we both have a respect for Pinterest and social media. But all in all, thank you so much for being here, Kate. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. It's one I'm super passionate about. And like you said, indicator of our conversation before we hit record, I think it'll be just such a great conversation for people to listen in on and decide if Pinterest is the next step for them. Yeah. You know what? Pinterest is one of those. I was just saying before we hit record, it's like my silent coworker working working for me in the back end. And I think people need to really embrace the power of Pinterest. So I am going to start off with a loaded question. And then as we're going, we'll dissect it. But how are Pinterest and Instagram different? Uh, I love this question. Okay. So I like to tell people Instagram is like a bar. Pinterest is like a library. You walk into the bar with Instagram. There's a lot of things going on. There's people you want to follow people. You want to talk to people. You are genuinely interested in knowing about their life, right? So it's very communicative, it's extroverted, and it's loud. Pinterest is where people go to ask questions, to find information. It's very quiet. They're not interested in people talking to them or having engagement. They go thinking, how can this platform serve me? And how can it answer my questions, build my dreams, talk about my future goals, get information? And so that's how we see them as two totally different platforms. And we put Pinterest in the bucket of YouTube and Google because the intent is the same. And I think that's the biggest difference is how does the user approach the platform? And once you see it that way, it makes it way easier to market to your ideal person. And I love that. That's a perfect description as Instagram as a bar and Pinterest as a library. 
And my creative brain right now, Kate, is already thinking of a meme for our episode of how I, I am going. <laughs> Please do. I've been I using mean, this forever and thought I need to do like a t-shirt or something with this. Yeah, I mean, there, I'm going to do something in Canva super creative with the bar versus the library. I mean, it's going to be pretty epic. But I want to kind of ask some non-traditional questions about Pinterest because I think my audience pretty much knows the basics of Pinterest. They know it is powerful to build their email list. I am constantly saying that. But today, my purpose is to really kind of compare it to what people are doing on Instagram versus what you should be doing on Pinterest. And I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm seeing a trend on Instagram. People are copying their post URLs from Instagram and sharing them on Pinterest yeah. in it with the intent to grow their Instagram account. Now, what I see you shaking your head. No, I'm assuming you have an opinion on this trend. Do you think it's effective or worth the time and effort? No, I don't think it's effective for several reasons. I'll talk number one about user experience. When you take somebody from app to app, you don't know if they're using Apple or Android or if they use Instagram or if it's taking them to mobile web. So right away, you're going to break that chain because you just don't know what the user is using. Oftentimes when I click on something, it takes me to the app store to install Instagram, which I already have, which is so annoying. And we have a hard time putting in our name and email. Do you think we're really <laughs> going to go to that much effort to get to Instagram? Like it's kind of ridiculous. The only time I see that repurpose strategy sometimes working is for hairstylists because hairstylists will post what they've done for a cut with a customer. They'll post that on Instagram or on Pinterest and talk about like short bob, um, mid fifties or whatever. Cause people are searching on Pinterest. What's the best wim short women's haircut, right? Now that's just for inspiration. It's not for customer gain because chances are that person is not in your city or town, right? Like you're right. not going to be able to hire them. So that's the second part that's problematic. Number three, Instagram users are primed to read. So they see a reel, they see a video, they see an image and they instantly scroll to the bottom to get context. Now we also have to remember that on Instagram, people choose to follow somebody because they're saying yes to following along their business journey or their life. So they're ready to read. Whereas on Pinterest, they only look at images they don't read. So the image has to have context for them with text overlay. It has to be a vertical image. We don't, Pinterest will allow a square, but doesn't prefer it. So you really have to be smart with your repurposing content and know that whatever you're repurposing on Pinterest has to answer a question really quickly, like billboard advertising, and has to appeal to a broader audience of people who do not know who you are and they do not care about you. They are very cold. They're not interested in your life. They're interested in their life. So that's why I think that repurposing, sure, it checks the box of what we all want to do, which is repurpose our content effectively, but it's really not effective. It's just checking a box. So I would tell people be very strategic and smart about what you're repurposing and what your goal is. And I think when it comes to Pinterest, would it make more sense to have the goal if someone's going to click on your pin that you really want them to go to the platform you own, yes, not to a social media account because that can change because your Pinterest pins, 
live on for a long time. And if you make changes to your social media account, you close your Facebook group for some reason, or you put it on hybrid or whatever the new term is now, or maybe you change your username for Instagram, now they're going to be sent to a dead link. And now you've just lost them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent go to what you own. You own your website, you have control of it. And if you do decide to change the name of your URL or you have a new domain, what's great is that Pinterest automatically redirects those pins because you set up a formal redirect and it goes to the new site. So you haven't lost all that kind of snowball effect that you've been building up on Pinterest over the years. They still can come to your website. But like you said, if you change your Facebook group, I've seen a lot of people do that. They'll lead to a Facebook group because they think it's a way to grow it. But, you know, a lot of people have left Facebook. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't use it hardly anymore. People, I know tons of people who have deleted their accounts or have fake accounts. Like they don't want to be on there. So why are you pushing people to a place where they're not interested in being, but your email list or your website for sure, they'll, they'll be like, oh, I'm coming into someone's house. Like, and I want to explore and I want to look around. I want to know about them. Such a great opportunity to build trust and community. And I think it goes back to your analogy analogy earlier. If you start out at the library, I don't think you want to enter a bar. You're there to learn. You would feel better going into someone's home versus a bar because then it's going to seem chaotic. Now, I want to jump to, since we were talking about content, and when it comes to Pinterest, what kind of content should we put our efforts into? Because that's so easy to say, you need to get on Pinterest. You need to share your stuff on Pinterest. But now it's like, okay, you set up your account, you set up your boards, you've written your descriptions, you're in Canva, you're you're going to put some graphics together, you have your pin dimensions, but let's talk content. What really works on Pinterest? Okay, so... Number one pillar is going to be a blog post. Now, oftentimes, especially for anybody who is an e-commerce seller, they tend to roll their eyes, groan on the floor and act like they're dying. When I say (laughs) this, I'm not saying a really long form blog post, but I'm saying that's something that's informative. So people on Pinterest start with a question. So here's an example that I've shared before. We have worked with a company who does grief boxes. So they um, send these beautiful boxes to people who have had a loss Well, instead of just putting links to their box, like by my box, they know that their main user is asking a question, what do I send or do for somebody who's just lost a pet or a parent or a child? They created short form blog posts to give people suggestions. And then one of the suggestions is obviously their product, right? But they would have never gotten this stream of new cold buyers with not answering that question first. So the type of content that does good and lasts forever on Pinterest is our how to, what to, where to, like those types of questions. And so for us, we take our, we use Pinterest to grow our email list too. That's our number one reason. Mm -hmm. So we have a podcast and then we create a blog post and then we create pins that lead to that blog post that show there's a podcast, right? And then there's an opt-in on our website where people can get more information. So it's always that really great blog content that's going to win. And we we have an agency side, so we've worked with hundreds of clients over the last eight years. And I will tell you that clients who create at least one to two pieces of new content per month 
Now, if you create more once a week, that is even better. You will grow longer and farther, not always faster, but you will get more amplification out of your Pinterest than somebody who stops creating content. And let's say they just start creating Pinterest images because they're like, well, I have all this back content. I'm just going to create new Pinterest images and they stop creating anything new. Those decline pretty significantly over time in Pinterest stats because they're not kind of stoking that fire on Pinterest with new blog posts. And so while I know that it's hard for people to write, there's a lot of great AI tools out there right now that can really speed that up. I would highly encourage anybody to have at least one to two new posts per month. That's really getting out there onto Pinterest and that will help you succeed long-term. So I have a question um, to piggyback off of that because I do that too. Every new episode, it's converted or repurposed as a blog post, right? And I always create my images and put it out there. But for someone who is really wanting to build their list and let's say they have several freebies. Mm -hmm. It, and I'm noticing this with mine. If I keep creating new images for the new or for the same landing page, it's not as effective. Mm-hmm. So is it more effective to use the podcast episodes, have the blog post, maybe halfway through the blog post or further down, now take that form for that freebie and say, hey, I have a freebie for you that kind of goes hand in hand with the content. And have the sign up on the blog post. Is that more effective to it building your effective. list? Yep. Okay. Because you warm people up. So there's two ways that we do it too. Because to your point, yeah, you can keep creating so many images, right? But here's what we go back to in analytics is we look at what are the posts, the top 10 that are driving traffic from Pinterest? What are their topics centered on? That's where you need to put your opt-in. So for example, mine is how to clean up Pinterest boards. I posted it in 2017. I talked about spring cleaning your Pinterest boards. To this day, it is my number one pinned post. Like it drives so much traffic to my website. And we update the post every six months to make sure it's relevant. And we have a checklist opt-in that we give people. And here's a third layer that's kind of interesting. What we realized after a year of running that was that people who signed up for that were sometimes just regular pinners. They weren't actually business users. So then we went into that first initial email and we said, Hey, we know that you might be just a regular pinner and not a business marketer. Go ahead and click to unsubscribe here because we're just going to talk about business and that might not be relevant, but we really wanted to make sure that you got this, but we would have never known had we not looked at the data and saw Oh, this how to clean up Pinterest boards is crushing it. And it comes back up every spring because I said spring cleaning on Pinterest. It's like it resurfaces and gets a lot of traffic again. So then we went to the next one. It was how to upload video to Pinterest. Interesting. So we have there a Pinterest planner opt-in because we, there's no real opt-in you can do for like how to upload a video. Like we give Mm -hmm. you all the instructions in there. So once you look at those top 10, we figured out our how-tos crush it every time on Pinterest because that's what people are putting in to learn about Pinterest marketing for their business. So then we went down the list, how to keyword, how to, you know, all these things. So your analytics really tells you the data story of what people like. That's where you should follow that line of putting an opt-in on those particular blog posts because you're right. People are warmed up, they're ready to go. They're ready to say yes. And they're super interested in what you have. 
So I want to make sure that the audience heard that. Use your Pinterest analytics to look at your top 10 performing. Are we looking at performing pins and then see what post that goes to? Yeah, Those are the correct. 10 posts that we should be updating every six months to make sure it's still relevant to our business and what's going on. And then make sure that there is an opt-in on that page. And that alone would probably skyrocket your email list. Just doing that alone. If they do anything today, (laughs) go look at those top 10 pins, see what URL it's going to, update those URLs, and make sure you have an opt-in on that page that's relevant to the content. Yeah. I want to make a note too, is that some people who are really good at Google Analytics, Google Analytics and Pinterest have had a real dicey relationship over the last (laughs) two years. So in there, you used to be able to see also the pins that were leading the most traffic to your website, as well as the landing pages from Pinterest that were receiving the most traffic. You can go in there and you can look at acquisition, referral, all traffic, then referral, and then Mm -hmm. click on Pinterest. That is another good place to look, but I will say Pinterest analytics has really stepped up their game in the last year. So you can get a lot of data in there. That's really helpful to what's working in a 30 day window or what's working in an all time. And so really just spend about 30 minutes in there, just getting familiar with what are even the data points that you can learn from. I love that. Now I have another question. I'm going back to the comparison of Instagram and Pinterest. I'm seeing on Pinterest a lot lately, idea pins. Yeah. So how do idea pins compare to Instagram stories? Mm. It's like a little bit of a hybrid of a reel and a story. So one, they live forever. So that's their difference, right? Mm. Number two, they have, you know, a set of slides. So that's very similar. But number three, they don't link, right? Like there's no swipe up. There's no link to, and really Pinterest did this because they realized as the outlier, they had no tool to keep people on their platform, which couldn't appeal to ad buyers. Right. And they make money through ads. So they created these idea pins in 2020 to showcase how you could do something or features of something or steps. And then it calls to action following the profile. And then when you get to the profile, you can click on the link and go to the website. Now, one of the really interesting things is that the biggest complaint, a regular pinner where creators are the business users, pinners are the users. Their number one complaint about Pinterest is they click on a link and it's dead, right? So they just created this environment where there's no link, right? So you're going to get pushback. So we are seeing Pinterest dial that back a little bit by a new accounts are testing a link. So we could see that in the future, but as far as how to leverage idea pins, especially as we're talking about repurposing, you really want to think of an idea pin as like a micro content. So if I wrote how to clean up Pinterest boards, my micro content would be slide one is the introduction. Slide two is step one, two, three, four. And then slide six is to learn more, visit simplepinmedia.com or Google simplepinmedia.com or follow me, go to my profile, click the link. A very interesting thing about this is the data tells us how many people come to your profile off of an idea pin, how many followers you got, and how many profile clicks you got. So you want to make sure that your website, if you are leveraging Pinterest, an idea pin should be a part of that strategy. 
you have to have a search bar really prominent on your website because there's going to okay. be people who come to your website and they're like, like, here's an example. My friend Beth, who's this amazing cook and creator on Pinterest and YouTube made this like ridiculously p amazing pumpkin loaf bread. Like it's amazing. She did an idea pin about the steps. I went to her profile, clicked on her link and searched feverishly through her website to find this. And so if somebody is really wanting more information, that's what they will do. So you want to create that path and just make it easier for them to get to your content as quickly as possible. But that's, that's how we leverage idea pins. We do about one per week. That's what we tell people. You can do more. We did a test actually on my account where we did only idea pins in August. We didn't even pin regular pins. We did take a hit to our traffic. So it's not something we would recommend you only lean into idea pins, but you have a diversified strategy of both standard pins and idea pins. So to me, an idea pin almost seems like a carousel from Instagram where you're being very informative on each pin and the last pin or the last slide is your call to action. Yeah. And you can okay. do video in there too. So you could do on your carousel, you could do a video in between and then a static and then a video. Absolutely. That's a good comparison. Okay. Now here's another one that I'm seeing and I, and I'm guilty. I've been doing this for a while and then I kind of stopped cause I didn't see the point of it. Should we repurpose our reels on Pinterest? You know, we do some of them. You can see what we're doing as a business user, pinterest.com slash simple pin media, but we are downloading it and stripping it of all the Instagram stuff. And then we're uploading it natively onto Pinterest and using their music, their tools. People on Pinterest really don't use sound. Like it's, it feels invasive again. It's like the library, like, oh my gosh, mm. it's loud. So you want to get good about using that text overlay. But here's another thing too for um, people. On Pinterest, which is different than Instagram, product sellers can both promote digital and physical. So if I have a Shopify store that's all digital products, in an idea pin, I can tag my products and they will go directly to my website. Whereas if I just have my blog, I can't tag my blog and have people go to my website. They have to do that. Go to my profile, click on my link, all those things. So we're setting up our own Shopify store with our digital products so that we can get access to this thing in idea pins of product tagging and showing like, here's a PDF or here's a planner. Maybe here's the dimensions of it. Click and go get it. Right. Okay. So that's the advantage of Pinterest with digital products. Like we love that they are friendly to it. Now, will that work with WooCommerce as well? Yeah, they have a great integration mm -hmm. with Shopify and WooCommerce, or you can manually upload your catalog and you can get, there's a shop tab. You can get it that way, but WooCommerce and Shopify both can apply for verified merchant program, which gives you access to more things within the shop pro integrations that Pinterest has. So there's a lot of things. Pinterest is going very shop friendly and we are just so thrilled that they are friendly to digital, whereas Instagram is not. That is really cool. And I will be looking into that because I also have a WooCommerce store on my website. So I'm going to have to start thinking about how I can utilize that. I love that. Yep. Now, this is my last question because this is something I'm also guilty of. 
I said before the recording, I think I do Pinterest about 50% right. And then there's 50% where I can majorly improve. Mm. <laughs> I am not a Pinterest expert at all. How important is it to share or pin other people's pins? Not important at all. Don't do it. Okay. Yeah. It was an old tactic and it started back in, I, this is when I feel like a Pinterest historian. <laughs> it started back in 2014 when they switched to a smart feed and there was this little line in a Google doc that somebody surfaced from Pinterest internal docs that said something about engagement and the more engagement you got, the higher your pins would be seen. And so people took that to say, like, if my whole profile gets a lot of engagement, then more of my pins will get seen. Now, at the time, it made sense because when I clicked on a pin to the right, I could see a board and I can see all the pins that were on the board. So we did see this, actually, because then I would be showcased on the right. I'd get more followers of that board and then my content would be clicked on. Well, Pinterest removed that and now you can't even really see what board it's on or who the original pinner was. So the benefit, the only benefit I've ever seen people talk about is to conflate the monthly viewer number that is on your profile. The monthly viewer number is like a comprehensive number. We don't use it in any of our stats. The only people who should use it or could use it are those who are working with brands. Brands like fluffy numbers, right? Like you and mm -hmm. I like things like clicks and conversions and saves. And they're like, we just want impressions and to be seen and views, right? So you could technically pin other people's stuff that is popular if you want to conflate that number. As long as you know, it has no direct impact on your content. That does not in any way, shape or form mean that your pins will get more clicks. What it actually will end up meaning is that let's say you pin all these amazing like nail tutorials or nail polish, right? But you talk about fitness. Those two are not going to translate or fuse together. And Pinterest is going to start to believe that your profile is really centered around beauty and nails. You want the Pinterest algorithm to know you're about fitness and your content is centered around this so that they can show that to people in their smart feed. So again, the only advantage, I wouldn't even recommend it, but you know, if somebody out there wants to try it. You can certainly do it to conflate the monthly viewer number. But if you know, eyes wide open, it's not actually going to benefit you. It just makes you either feel good or brands feel good. Yeah. And you said something um, earlier in there uh, talking about impressions, saves, and clicks. So when it comes to like you and I, mm -hmm. a business owner, yeah, what should we be concerned about when we are using Pinterest? Do we want the saves, the clicks? Mm -hmm. And yeah. don't worry about the impression number. Okay. So I would say I'd rate it in three. There's probably four metrics that we pay attention to, especially for our clients. Number one is clicks because that's direct action, right? Number two is saves because that means future action is planned. Number three is impressions. However, if I'm on my phone and my eye is on the right column, but your content is on the left column, you still get an impression, but I didn't see your stuff. Mm. So what we found actually, I was running my own numbers with our idea pin. Um, test that we did, my traffic went down significantly and my saves went down by like 17% too, but my impressions went up by like 143%. Mm. 
But I look at those numbers and I think the converting data that I want, the future action that I want, that decrease, that's not my goal. So then followers, we do look at that to see how we're growing every month, just in general. But followers are interesting too, because pinners aren't, Pinterest has had a weird relationship with calling to action people to follow. And it's like, sometimes they have seasons where they care about it. And sometimes they have seasons where they don't. So generally we don't put a lot of emphasis on that unless growing a follower number is really important to you again for working with brands. It's one of the only times we see it. So clicks, saves, impressions, follows. That's kind of the order that we go in. But there are like nine points of data that Pinterest will give you in there. Click rate, engagement rate, close up rate. Did somebody click on the pin and look closer? There's a, there's a lot of different things that you can search in there, but um, it's kind of a black hole. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I feel like we just like, just covered very little today. I feel like Pinterest is big. There's a lot you can do with it, but it's not too scary. So I want to make sure that our listeners are able to connect with you, Kate. So where can they see your work? Yeah, I would say number one, since we're listening to a podcast, um, go follow Simple Pin Podcast. We have like 300 episodes about Pinterest marketing. And then number two, go to simplepinmedia.com. And there you'll see our articles, our shop, our services. And I would say the the last place, which people will probably won't remember this, but go to pinterest.com slash simple pin media, just to see examples of how we're leveraging some of the content. And what you'll see is when you open up somebody's profile, what you see is their re most recently pinned pin items between idea pins or regular pins. You'll see all of our idea pins, which will give you some suggestions as to how you can do it. And I think this is not about me, but this is more about like for your listeners, an action item would be open up the app on your phone and just spend 30 minutes over there. Like even if you've been on Pinterest for a while, or maybe you haven't, if you spend that 30 minutes just looking around as to what the platform has to offer, and it's been changing a lot. Like before we had bubbles at the top that showed where idea pins were. Now mm -hmm. we don't have bubbles. We have the watch tab. We have Pinterest TV now, right? <laughs> and so there's like all these new features that I just think as marketers, we are on desktop all the time, right? And rarely do we kind of, besides Instagram, obviously, but with Pinterest, it's really easy to be on desktop and not go to the app to see what 85% of the people are seeing. So that's the thing I would do. Set a timer, watch TV. I don't know. Just look at it and engage with it. Such great advice. And I will make sure, Kate, that everything is in the show notes. This was a really great interview. I can't wait to dive more into Pinterest. And of course, I may have you back on the show again to really dive deep into like a few strategies for how our listeners can start taking action on Pinterest and kind of where to start so it doesn't feel so overwhelming and they give up yeah. on it. So thank you again. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. 
I can't thank you enough for listening today and supporting this show. The best way to support me and grow the podcast is by leaving a written review on Apple iTunes. I promise you, I read every review and take them to heart. And don't forget, head to bossladyinsweatpants.com to grab all my freebies or hang out with me on Instagram at Allison Scholes. I'll see you soon.